Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Light the Fight. I'm David. Good to see you again. Even though I can't see you, I'm seeing you with my heart. <laughs> All joking aside, um, I'm alone today without Heidi. If you haven't seen on our social media, Heidi's got a big conference uh, tomorrow called Pinner's Conference. Um, or not tomorrow, this 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 Friday and Saturday. So she's all in trying to get that all taken care of. And I'm going to steer the ship again one more time. This is kind of our busy time of year. Um, we are uh, just trying to keep everybody in our personal lives, our families, our businesses in order, while at the same time giving you some cool insight, understanding just our thoughts about parents, teens, families, all that sort of stuff. So thanks for visiting us again here at Light the Fight. And today I want to talk about something that I have been discussing all week. In fact, this past month, past couple months, my life's pretty much been revolved around this one thing, and it's called the Parent-Teen Partnership. Some of you may have uh, heard that I I gave a TED Talk about this, and we've talked about it on many of the episodes. Uh, We talk about it in our parenting conferences we put on. But today I'm going to talk about it in a little bit of a different way, just kind of give you some basic understanding about how you can get started on it um, in little simple ways. And then in the very, very near future, uh, about a month out, um, I'll be able to offer you guys an e-course that you can go to my website um, and be able to download the Parenting Partnership step-by-step, complete educational instructional, how to do a partnership agreement um, with your teenager that will actually work. So I look forward to that coming uh, in the near future, but along those lines, we have something to help you work on your parent-teen partnership right now. It's called teencounseling.com. Teencounseling.com is our official sponsor of the Light the Fight podcast, and here's why. It's another new school way to help you get your kid the help that they need. So teencounseling.com backslash LTF, and that stands for Light the Fight. If you go to teencounseling.com and you put in backslash LTF, you can get a 10% discount your very first month. And what does that give you? Well, it gives you access to a therapist and a counselor that's specific, that's specifically matched to your needs. You can be con- you will be contacted within 24 hours. They can start getting you getting all the information from you about what are you looking for, what's the therapist that'll match good for you. And especially if you're in a rural area or an area where you just can't find a good teen therapist, they match you up based upon what you're looking for at that particular time. And also they take into consideration what you're not looking for as well. You know, sometimes people want someone older, younger. So teencounseling.com backslash LTF is where you can get your 10% discount. You put the counseling in your teenager's hands. A lot of parents have been um, telling me that like, I'm not sure how this is going to work. I don't quite understand. Trust me, just give it a shot. 
the commitment financially is extraordinarily low. When you call them and find out how much this costs, it's half the price of one counseling session with me, but it's not half the value. So teencounseling.com backslash light the fight. And a big shout out to our community sponsor, 1-800-CONTACTS. All the great people down there, we love them. They help us keep everything going here on Light the Fight whenever we need help with things like, I don't know, staying organized at our events. They've always got our back. So thank you to 1-800-CONTACTS and their contacts are amazing and their customer service is even better. So back to the podcast. So the Parent-Teen Partnership, this has stirred up a lot of interest in people, but this is not one of the things we've talked about in the podcast that's easy for me to just say and then you go give it a shot. For example, statements uh, versus questions. It's easy to understand, takes some practice, but there's not a bunch of steps to it. Uh, Using the and, a bunch of the more popular episodes we've had, again, easy to understand, not a lot of steps. Parenting partnership agreement, easy. No, okay, it's not easy to understand. I I was trying to figure out a way if I could bend the truth a little bit. It's not super easy to understand with our emotional mind. It's really easy to understand with our logical mind because it stems from something that I call the family business model. When I say I call it, I mean, I created this, um, discovered it, created it, whatever you want to call it, years ago. And when I came up with this thing called the family business model, it was basically my way of helping parents see something that they've already been exposed to in their everyday life, such as working for a company. Most parents, all parents have had a job of some sort. And um, the uh, parenting partnership really came out of me talking to people and using that metaphor of seeing your family as a business, but not just any business, a really good business, the type of business that you would want to work for. Most people in their, in their job experience have had different types of companies that they've worked for, all different types of companies, some horrible, some pretty bad, some not so bad, some average, some decent, some good, and some amazing. So on that big spectrum of how businesses can run, there's definitely some commonalities that people report and research and also just in conversations I've heard throughout the years about the things that they need in a business for them to feel like they're a part of it and for them to want to work hard. And it comes to find out that the major thing is that first thing I just said, people want to feel like they matter to the business that their insight, information, ideas have some sort of influence on decision-making, even if it's at a low level. And they also want the opportunity to have some sort of ownership or some sort of um, long-term security with the company. Now, as you can imagine, that would make anyone feel safer and, and more willing to put out all your effort and work as hard as you can. Well, some other things that we're looking for is we're looking for a boss that doesn't make us feel like they're always in charge and they're looking over us, and we don't want to feel like we're walking on eggshells at work. We don't want to feel like if one mistake um, is made that we could possibly lose our job. We definitely want to feel that there's mutual communication like partners instead of, you know, talking down to you. And, you know, you do want to get paid well, but studies for many, many years, it's not new studies, have shown that money has never been the number one motivating factor when it comes to uh, moving up in companies or people being satisfied for where they work. No, it's influence and ability to have say in the company and feel like you have some sort of ownership, even though legally your name's not on the ownership paper. You don't actually have to own the company to feel that you helped create it. And if you feel like you helped create it, therefore, yeah, that's ownership because you did help create it. 
So when I started using these metaphors for people a long time ago, <clears throat> it was it was a metaphor that really worked well. In fact, it worked so well, I kept using it. And as I kept using this metaphor, I started to understand different ways of how this can play out in our own family life. Then as I worked with families throughout the years, using this metaphor, some of the families had actually owned businesses. The parents maybe were managers, had management responsibilities. Those people were almost having this feeling like, how come I don't see this already? I do this professionally, but for some reason, when the day was done and they got done with work, that wouldn't come home with them. All the great customer service, all the telling people what to do because work needs to get done, but not saying it in a personal way to hurt their feelings because if you're a manager and you hurt your employees' feelings, now you have to deal with the problem that they feel like you don't like them. Now it feels personal. Arguments can ensue. They can talk behind your back and can create a lot of you know office turmoil. And you know that's a human resources nightmare. So when we're at a business and <clears throat> when we're working to try to um, move up in a company, we definitely want to feel that this company is a company we actually could see ourselves working with for a long time. So the families that had that experience in, in company ownership and management, they really did feel like, how did they miss it? This is too obvious. They got it and they started to implement some of the things they do at work at home. They actually taught me that this worked because I'd never owned a business. At the time that I started doing this, I'd only had one management job. I was a director, like a real like responsible job. Uh, I was a director um, for a company one time. And uh, besides that, I, I mean, I had enough to understand, but I didn't have a ton at that particular time because this was a long time ago when I first started you know, fooling around with this idea and this concept. <clears throat> but the families who did, they started to do some things. And they would come back and tell me, oh yeah, we figured out that if we did it this way, um, my kids got less upset didn't take as personal. And so even though they didn't do their chore, when I was reminding them again to do their chore, it didn't feel like I was nagging them. And it didn't feel like I was, you know, yelling at them because I wasn't. But I was just saying it in a way that I would say it to someone at work. And it just seemed to work well, even with my own kids and teenagers. And I started taking notes. One thing led to another. And then before I know it, I started taking what these families naturally figured out because it's what they did for a living. And I started sharing this information with families who'd never had management positions. A lot of times these other families were always hourly shift workers. And when I say always hourly shift workers, a lot of times they were hourly shift workers. Sometimes my English isn't so good, folks. And so they were not really seeing how treating their kid like a future manager of the company. And as I say, treating their kid like a partner that now granted, not an equal partner, a very, very small percentage of ownership of the company. Um, they started to start to notice, or they started to feel at first that this wasn't going to work. That didn't really make a lot of sense to them. But what did make sense is that they have had bad bosses and they've had good bosses. So I simply told them, listen, just be the good boss. What would that boss do? Then they would tell me, I would have, I'd have them say, okay, who's the best boss you ever had? I'd have them talk about it, sometimes write out what are all these qualities about that boss. Who's the worst boss you've ever had? Write out all those qualities about that boss. Then they looked at the two and the visual did not lie. It was easier for them to see, 
on what areas were they showing up like the bad boss and what areas were they showing up like the good boss. Some people were 70% like the good boss in their parenting, other people like 30%, some people like 80% in the, the bad boss and 20% of the good boss. But wherever they were at, there's still room and improvements to be made. But for some reason, them being able to compare those two, because it's their own life experience. They can remember how it felt when that boss you know, told you you did a bad job or if you were fired. But they can also remember those attaboys and attagirls and, hey, listen, you made a mistake. It's like, it's right. You know, I made tons of mistakes. I was in your position. Sometimes we get those bosses who get it. They've been there, done that. And they really do make you feel like you're part owner of the company, even though you're not. Well, start doing this over and over again. And then it came to the point where I realized I need more than just telling the parents. I got to get the teenagers involved. So then I said, gosh, let me start telling the teenagers that they are not an employee. That they need to be a manager manager sooner than later. Now, when they first started out in the family business, using that metaphor, when they were younger, they were, you know, not an active employee in the family business. They were like an intern, just learning. Then they get to preteen. It's like, okay, you know, we'll give them a little part-time job every now and then. Then when they become teenagers, it's like, okay, now you're working for the company. Especially if you're 16 years old and you can drive and make deliveries of other employees of the company that are younger than you. Not only can you make deliveries, you can make decisions. You have responsibilities, you have time limits, you have goals. You know, at the end of each corner, at end of each school quarter, that is a time limit. That's an expiration date. That's a goal. So our teenagers are already full-time employees. But for them to turn in to a manager, all too often we think that that's going to happen in adulthood, 18, 21 years old. That's when we'll give them the reins of freedom and let them explore their uh, autonomy and stuff like that. Well, I remember in the best companies that I worked for, if someone saw potential in me or saw potential in someone else, they started the recruiting process right away. They started to help that person by just experiencing things, showing them things, conversations that their job description didn't really require them to do. And then they started to notice that, man, this company's investing in me. And as you see the company investing in you, for some reason, just motivates us to want to do the same back. I remember some jobs that I really liked the company, then I've worked for some bad companies. So when they told me they couldn't give us a Christmas bonus, I didn't quit the job because I wasn't expecting a Christmas bonus anyways from that company. In fact, when I heard that they were going to give us a Christmas bonus one time, I was like, really? You mean like a Walmart gift card Christmas bonus? Because in my profession, those were the only Christmas bonuses we got. And this one director took it upon herself. She was now going to give everyone a $200 Christmas bonus. Now for a bunch of people that were making nine, 10, 11, 12 bucks an hour at the most, that was a decent Christmas bonus. But when they told us we couldn't have it, nobody quit. Nobody said anything. We saw her disappointment. We saw that she just couldn't make it happen. There wasn't money there. We understood. We went right back to work. Now I've had some bad jobs that they've said, we're going to give you a check, a pay, it's called a paycheck. And then when you go to the bank, it's going to, it's going to actually clear. 
And then I'd go to the bank and it would bounce. Come to find out that job, if you weren't the first 10 people to get to the bank, your check was not going to clear. And we were in a mad rush to get to the bank on Fridays. <clears throat> so obviously, those are not companies that you're going to want to put a long-term investment in. And so I started to tell teenagers, <clears throat> see yourself as a future manager. See yourself as someone that could potentially take over the family business someday. And a big reason why I told teenagers that is because they would tell me things like, as soon as I turn 18, I'm out. As soon as I have enough money or graduate from college or this and that, they would talk about how they weren't necessarily going to never talk to their family again, but they weren't planning on having any intention in the future to spend quality time with them, to do family things with them, and to really work on the relationship anymore. All they could see is how quickly they need to get out of there to start their own life because it just was too contentious. <clears throat> so I would tell those kids, you know what? I don't blame you for wanting to leave your family. I don't blame you for wanting to take off and just go do your own thing and want nothing to do with them. Now I would remind them that, uh, don't forget every now and then you may need some financial help. So you may not want to blow up that bridge quite yet. <clears throat> you may want to have a long, uh, a fuse on that on that um, <clears throat> stick of dynamite. So it gives yourself some time to get over your emotions, your anger with them because life's tough and you may get ready to leave, but you may have to come back home for a little while. <clears throat> but the main thing that they really responded to wasn't even that. It wasn't like scare tactics. It was more of, would you feel that way if you felt like you had a say in the family business? And if you actually were part of creating change in the family business, specifically for like younger siblings. If you were a part of helping your parents see some of their blind spots, some of their issues that they had and help them make positive changes. And teenagers would tell me, I don't believe that that can happen. I don't believe that that can happen. Then I'd share something with them that they wouldn't know because they've never been a parent. And here's what they don't, one of, one of the many things they don't know because they haven't been a parent. <laughs> There's a lot of things. I would share with them. I said, you know what? Your parents... They love it when you uh, listen to them, you're obedient. They really love it when you come home and you share with them all the wins and all the things that, that uh, you've done and figured out that they didn't teach you. That's That's even feels greater than, uh, <clears throat> than you being obedient. And they're happy about all those things. But the one thing that even trumped that was they're really happy that their teenager, now adult, was coming home and wanting to be around them. Wanting to spend time with them. Going out of their way to check in on them as a parent. It's called a relationship. Now just because you're the owner of the family business doesn't mean the employees have to like you. They can need you. They can love you, but they don't always have to like you. And that's a big fear of a lot of parents I talk to. They don't want their kids to not like them. And I reassure them this all the time, and I'm going to tell it to you right now. Don't worry. If you can show your teenager that you see them as a partner, and you're going to put your relationship with them above all else, above all else above grades, above everything else. Now, you still want them to perform and do those things, but when it comes down to it, you're not going to ruin the relationship or draw a line in the sand of the relationship because they're not doing things you want them to do. Then you're going to learn 
a very valuable lesson a lot of other parents have learned. And they came back and told me this in their own way. They said at first, David, when you talked to me about this family business thing, and you talked to me about my uh, my kids being a future manager and potentially taking over the family business, all I could think of, well, this business is going to fail. <laughs> We're going to go bankrupt. But then as they started to do the parent-teen partnership agreement, as they started to look at their child as a partner or as a, a future manager and potential partner, they started to realize that yes, it was scary to think of partnering up with a teenager, to seeing a teenager running your company or having some shifts where they're in control, like babysitting. They said that was scary and that was, that was a very nerve wracking thing for them to do. But they realized that there's a big positive from all of this. These teens were born to run this family business. All joking aside, they're your kids. It's your business. Who better to run the family business than your child? They have inside information, but they also have the same flaws and insecurities that you do because they're your kids. So some parents try to hide their kids' flaws and insecurities that remind them of their own. They try to correct it really quickly because it's painful and you know none of us want to see our kids struggling or su- and suffering. But other parents, as they do the parenting partnership agreement, they start to see that the only person that can break the negative cycles that have been passed on from generation to generation in our family would require two very important things to break the cycle. One, a parent from the old school that was raised just as primitive as people were raised 500 years ago. Because if you were raised in the 80s or before, things were pretty rough back then. I mean, you know, life was a little bit more, you know, I was definitely a little bit rougher. Let's just put it that way. I always say life is a little bit more, the walls are more padded right now. But anyone born after that, it's a, it's a totally different world. Totally different world. So you need a teenager, you need a young person that has a parent that was raised in the old school. So they have some experience of someone from the old school, but then they are being raised in the new school, in the digital area, in the digital area, era. Gosh, I can't talk today. And that's why we call the most recent generation of teenagers and kids, we call them iGen, meaning internet generation. They were born with the internet. They weren't born with depending upon people's information just around them. They had a world of information, a wealth of information. So to break a cycle, you need some of the old and you need some of the new. But you as a parent, you're just like a current business owner in today's markets and world. You're from the old school But you have to work with these young kids and these young teenagers and young adults because they have talents and skill sets that you could never go back and relearn because they were born with the internet. They were born with this ability. This is not something they had to learn. It's just been a part of them their whole entire life. So they're going to have natural skills that you do not possess. You're going to have to hire them. You're going to have to work with them and train them. So this is what it takes to break the negative parenting cycles and family cycles. Quicker pivots, meaning families being able to make decisions faster. You know, um, I read a book a long time ago that discussed uh, interviewing a whole bunch of Fortune 500 CEOs, and they're trying to do a study, trying to figure out what these individuals, men and women, what, what they had to do to become successful, or like what was come their some of their secrets to success. And the number one thing that was on the list, it had like the top five things. The number one thing that was on the list from this research said. They had this very unique ability to starve the problem and feed potential solutions and opportunities 
very quickly. So all the CEOs, in their own words, they said when they would have a problem brought to them, because they were the senior leader, because they were in a leadership position, they had lots of experience. You don't make someone a leader that has no experience. They have to have some experience. Specifically, a Fortune 500 company, they have a lot of experience. So in all their years of experience, they would have problems come to them from their company. They'd have meetings. People come say, hey, listen, we got to deal with this issue. They'd have the meeting. They'd say, present me the problem. The employee presents them the problem. They'd make a quick decision and then go on to the next problem. What they found out is that making decisions quickly instead of teeter-tottering back and forth, is it right? Is it not right? Over-processing information, digging too deep. Not only does it distract you and slows up workflow when you make the wrong decision because it took you so long to make it, it's 10 times more painful. If you make a wrong decision quickly, guess what else you can do quickly? Come up with a solution because you realize, oh, that didn't work out. Okay, now we know the right way. So they talked about, you know, paralysis by overanalysis. They talked about making, you know, not sitting there and overthinking something, but making a quick decision, moving on to the next one, starving problems, feeding solutions. And that's what you are going to be doing as parents and hopefully what you've already been doing. The Parenting Partnership Agreement, my concept of the family business model, just gives you a framework and a system to do that in. So a lot of people right now, their kids are, you know, getting back the grades from the first quarter. It hasn't, for some people, gone as well as you've liked to have gone. The first quarter, some the first quarter is what I call the quarter of hope in high school, <laughs> because that's where everybody hopes that it's, it's going to be different than it was last year. Assuming there was problems in, in school last year, and everybody's like keeping their fingers crossed. And at the end of the quarter, if there wasn't change in the grades and behavior, then the second quarter is the quarter of here we go again. <laughs> That's where everything gets tightened up from the parents. That's when the parents double down on the restrictions and see, I trusted you. I gave my heart to you. I believed in you and you disappointed me. Well, with all due respect, parents, that part's on us. Believing and putting our heart into someone who's very young and is a rookie and just trying to figure it out, it's putting way too much investment in their success right now because some of these kids, some of your children, some of your teens, may need longer to figure certain things out. So family business model helps you see that your kids are the perfect people to take over the family business. But if they're not brought up through management training properly, if there's not a system where they feel that they can exchange information with you, where they can talk about things, where they feel like they have a seat at the the, the big executive's table, um, they may not be complete owners of the company, but at the same time, they feel as if they have ownership because they're creating and helping build the company. Those kids, those teenagers do not abandon their family. Why would you abandon something you built? Why would you work so hard to go through all these um, conversations with your parents, working out all these deals that the family, um, that the parenting partnership agreement um, provides? Why would you do all that just to dip out and say, I don't want to deal with you anymore? I haven't seen that happen. I only see that happen when a partnership is not formed between a parent and a teenager. So I want to share with you that tonight. I know a lot of you who came to uh, the um, the event the other night at Harriman High School. Um, I did something very exciting for me. I, for the very first time, I got to teach to the public the parent-teen partnership agreement. I've been doing it for private for so many years that it was, it was really cool for me 
to see people and their brains and their eyes soaking up this information. All the questions were spot on of the questions they need to be asking. Everybody was out there. A lot of you are out there. I know our podcast listeners. I want to thank you again, but I really want to tell you something besides just thanking you. I want to say it is so cool that you're willing to evolve. You're willing to go first. You're willing to model for your kids. You're willing to see that your relationship with them is a currency. Do you have credit in your bank account with your teenager? Have you freaked out on all these little things? And so when it comes to the big things, there's no money in that account and they can't share with you the big things because you've proven that you freak out on little things. So why would they even assume that you could handle something big? The Parenting Partnership Agreement, it will be available very soon. Um, thank you. Like I said, everybody came out last uh, last week um, and uh, you guys are getting some first-time hand-helding hand and help you uh, come up with your agreements to help increase the probability that it can do what it's done for so many other families, and that is make you look across the room at your partner. You give them a look. They give you a look. Even without words said, when you're closely connected to someone, it's as if they could read your mind. It's as if you could read their mind, and for some reason, you just know how to support each other and help each other out, and you don't have a, to always use a lot of words to complicate it and make it more difficult than it needs to be. Well, as always, thank you for following us here at Light the Fight. Please, if you have not followed us on Instagram, at least consider it. You don't have to press the like button, but consider it. Uh, if you haven't followed us on iTunes or if you are on iTunes listening to the podcast, but you haven't left a review or a rating, if you get a chance, please do that too. If not, that's all good too. Um, thank you again from Heidi and thank you from myself. Uh, a little reminder, we will be at Pinners, which is, I don't know, it's called the Southtown Auto X, the Southtown, not autos. It's America First. I'm sorry, they keep on changing. It's Mountain America Expo Center, Sandy, Utah, um, Friday, tomorrow at 3.30. I don't know if the class that we're putting on, if it's completely full yet or not. I've, I I should probably check that. But um, I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, everybody loves Heidi. I wouldn't be surprised it's already full. But if it's not, give it a shot and check it out. And uh, come down and see us if you're in town. And until next time, like Heidi always says, thank you for helping us light the fight. money on your outdoor project now at menards we have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat right now all fvp lawn and garden and marine batteries are on sale through may 5th check out our entire selection of fvp batteries today and view our weekly flyer on menards.com for more great deals Save big